Jesus is coming again. I heard one person who believed that. Let me say that again. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Amen. Do you believe it? Yes. Amen. How many of you like waiting? I don't know very many people who like waiting. I remember, and I apologize if you don't like to hear stories about when I was this this big, but I like to tell stories on myself about when I was probably about as big as Grayson. And my mom and dad told me that, that they had just bought tickets to fly across the country from Louisiana, where we lived, all the way to California to visit Grandma and Grandpa. Oh, I was excited about seeing Grandma and Grandpa, but I'd seen them before, but I had never, as far as I could remember, I had never flown on an airplane before. And I always loved to go outside and look and see the airplanes flying over, and I'd always imagined being on an airplane, but I didn't know what in the world it would be like. And when I heard that I was going to be flying on a real, live airplane, what are these, not just a little airplane, but a great, big jet airplane. And of course, that was only this big, right? Oh, every morning I would get up and I would ask, Mommy, Mommy, are we going today? Are we going to fly on an airplane today? No, not today. Well, are we going to go tomorrow? No, not tomorrow. We're going, but it's going to be a little while yet. We just bought the tickets. And this was going to be, I think, around Christmas time. And this was probably when I was, I'm telling this story, it was probably before Thanksgiving, right? So it's going to be almost a month away Mommy, Mommy, the next day, Mommy, Mommy, are we going to go today? No, not today. Is it tomorrow? No, not tomorrow. So pretty soon, my mom got a bright idea. And moms always have bright ideas, right? So she got out, and I made one just to show you. She got out some colored construction paper, and she cut it in little strips. And she put those strips together and made a chain with one link in the chain for every day from now until we're going to fly on the airplane to Grandma and Grandpa's house. And it was longer than this. It was, she held it up, she put it on the top of the refrigerator, and the bottom of the chain was almost down on the floor. And I think maybe we had even written some things on the chain. Maybe she had a different color for Thanksgiving Day and set different colors. So, but anyway, she had a long paper chain and she hung that there on the refrigerator where we could all see it and every morning as soon as I woke up I mean the the crack of dawn I was up and out of bed can we take off another link on that chain and every morning we would just tear off that link and every day every day that chain would get just a little bit shorter. I remember one day, it must have been early in the morning, I don't know why we hadn't already torn the link off the chain, but but my aunt, my Aunt Patty, she came over to visit, and she said, what is this? Why is this chain hanging on the side of the refrigerator? So we had to tell her the whole story about how we were flying. In a few more days, we were going to be flying across the country to visit Grandma and Grandpa McFeeders, and my aunts and my uncle, my aunt and my uncle and my cousins. 
And so I remember when she heard that story and we said, well, you can tear the link off today. I remember her tearing that link off and throwing it away. And I was just so excited because now my Aunt Patty was in on this whole adventure too, even though she wasn't flying, but she was a, had a little part in this adventure too. Finally, the big day came. We got all the way down and there was only one link left on the refrigerator. And we got up early in the morning and we had our suitcases packed and we went down to the airport. And I remember walking down the jetway and putting my hand on the side of that airplane and seeing the pilot and poking my head in the cockpit. That was before the days when they had them all locked up tight where you couldn't see inside. And poking my head and seeing all the instruments. I wish I could fly. I wish I could ride there in the cockpit. That's where I wanted to ride. But I, I couldn't ride in the cockpit. But we got on the, in our seats and the plane started taxiing and then you could hear the engines roaring and the plane took off and we flew. And I don't remember anything about visiting Grandma and Grandpa. It's all a blur. All I remember of that trip was flying on an airplane. How long? And of course we laugh at this story. Of course I was a little kid. And since that time I've flown on airplanes many times and I still like to fly on an airplane. But nothing has ever been as exciting as that first time when I was maybe five years old flying on an airplane. But we still ask ourselves, how long? I did a little math, and if my timeline is correct, it's been 1,986 and a half years since Jesus ascended to heaven. Now, Jesus promised a short time before that, he promised his disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 3, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I will come again. At that time when Jesus, after his resurrection, was with his disciples and in their presence, with all of them watching, as he was teaching them, he began ascending up into heaven. And he, while they were watching, the clouds took him out of their sight. An angel came to his disciples and said to them in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The same Jesus, the one you just saw go away, he's coming back. The same way you saw him go up in the clouds, he's coming back in those same clouds. You will see him with your very eyes. Not some spiritual fairy tale, not some figure of speech, not some figment of someone's imagination, but the very real Jesus in the very real clouds, the ones you see out here out the windows today. That's how he's coming back. That's what he has promised. Not only did he promise, but he gave his disciples and you and me some idea of the timeline. He laid out the future of world events, and we find this in Matthew chapter 24. If you want to turn there with me, Matthew chapter 24. He gave his disciples both instruction and warning. He told them of the trials and tribulations, the deception and the persecution, and yes, even the apostasy that would take place before his second coming. And we find in Matthew chapter 24, 
and verses 21 and 22. He speaks of that there, he says that there will be a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of time until this time. Beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. He speaks of this time of terrible, terrible tribulation. And we know from studying Daniel's prophecies and the prophecies of Revelation, we know also from studying the pages of history that this terrible time of persecution lasted for a thousand 260 years, beginning in A.D. 538 and ending, culminating in the year A.D. 1798, a time known even in secular history as the Dark Ages, a time when God's people were captured, thrown in dungeons, and burned at the stake, a time when the pages of God's Word could not be read in the church. They had to be hidden, and those who preserved them lived in the caves and in the mountain fortresses because the powers of earth bent all of their energies on destroying God's word and destroying those who would read it or who would dare to share it with another person. Yes, a time of great persecution. Christ said it would come. It has come. And it has passed. And Jesus says, we pick up this story again in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then, Notice this, friends. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to another. Now it says in these verses that this, these signs would happen immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now, we had just, be, just finished reading about this tribulation, and Christ said, except those days will be shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So we find that the persecution of that great period, that 1,260-year period, actually largely ended before the official date, the ending date we see that the power of the church, this persecuting power, had largely waned by the, the middle or late 1700s. And you didn't find a lot of martyrs, uh, martyrdoms taking place in the later part of the 1700s compared to what it had been in the years and centuries prior. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, Christ says, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. We find in the pages of history Right here in this country, this fledgling nation, the Declaration of Independence was signed uh, July 4, 1776, okay? We were still in the midst of this war, this battle with England, that the nation had declared its independence, and yet we had still not entirely thrown off the yoke of England. But this, this area that we now know as New England, which was these fledgling states, 
on May 19, 1780, experienced an incredible supernatural phenomenon. The day of May 19 dawned as any other day. And yet by mid-morning, a cloud had covered the sun. It got darker and darker and darker until the chickens came back to their roosts, the cows came in from their fields, and you had to light a candle to read under the open sky. An incredible supernatural darkness. Men and women quaking in fear and turning sometimes for the first time to the word of God to find out what is happening. They thought the day, surely the day of judgment has come. Then, perhaps half a century later, on the night of November 12 and 13, 1833, a spectacular meteor shower again caused people around this nation and around the world to open their Bibles and begin to search. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. And what do we find happening immediately after those days? Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. At this time in the 1830s, a man by the name of William Miller, among others, were found to be leaders of a small fledgling movement that soon grew into a nationwide and worldwide movement, the Second Advent Movement, proclaiming that Christ's coming is near, even at the doors. Looking forward to the coming of Christ, on October 22, 1844. Does anyone know what day it is today? October 21, 2017. Tomorrow will mark the 173rd anniversary of October 22, 1844, known to us as Seventh-day Adventists as the Great Disappointment. Because, as we all know, Christ did not return to this earth on October 22, 1844. And as we have studied, and as Micah even studied a little bit last week with us, that date of October 22 marked a very significant point in time, the beginning of Christ's work in the investigative judgment in the heavenly sanctuary. And yet William Miller's message that Jesus Christ is re returning to this earth in person, in body, physically, literally returning to this earth soon, has still become the very foundational teaching of our message. Is it true? Friends, is Jesus coming again? Can we count on it? Can we believe it? And yet do we ask ourselves, like I kept asking as my five-year-old self, asking my mommy, how long, how many more days is it going to be until we fly away? How long must we wait? Why must we wait? How 
must we wait? Why does it seem like our Lord is delayed? Jesus said in Matthew 24, going back a few verses to verses 12 and 13, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. You know, waiting is never easy. Especially waiting when we don't know how long we'll have to wait. When you go to the doctor's office, and your appointment is at 2 o'clock, and you were there 10 minutes early, and now it's 2.15, And the waiting room is full of people. And you're thinking, I had things to do this afternoon. This was supposed to be a quick appointment. Waiting is never easy. And I'll admit, friends, that patience is not one of my best virtues. My wife can attest to that fact. The Lord is teaching me. Perhaps that having a career in computer programming has taught me some bad habits. Well, I want something... I want it right now. I can get it right now. I can search the internet for it. I can find it. I can buy it and I can download it to my computer. And I, the biggest thing I complain about is that the download takes five minutes. <laughs> and it takes five whole minutes for me to download this thing before I can start watching it or using it. Never mind a few years ago, I would have had to actually get up out of my chair and get in my car and go to the store and buy it in the store, find an actual disc and buy it and come and bring it back. And it would have taken longer than five minutes. But I'm complaining that the download takes five minutes and I'm saying, oh, I need to get faster internet. How many of you remember the days when you would get these little packs of cards? They were, they were a free packs of cards from the advertisers and you could go through, even if, you know, know what I'm talking about? And there's like cards from the advertisers and you can go through the whole stack of cards and and anyone that looked interesting you know it might be some little gizmo or gadget for your kitchen or some juice or something anyway it looked interesting and you could put your name and your your information on that card and you could put it in the mailbox and it was postage free postage paid and you could put it in the mailbox and they'd send it back to the company and they would send you a catalog or some more information in the mail any of you remember that and how many how many weeks would it take sometimes to get that information back uh, well, I'll tell you, and I'll, there's probably a generation gap here for some of you. I'm on my phone on Facebook, and I see this thing, and it's supposed to. And it, you, it's an advertisement, and it says this is going to change your life. And I click on it because you know I'm curious, and I click on it, and I start counting in my head: five, four, three, two. And my 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 screen on my phone is white because it's waiting for the page to load. And if it doesn't load in about five seconds, I push the back button and get out of there because I can't wait that long. <laughs> Okay, I think the devil has got a conspiracy going for us that we not learn patience because that is exactly what the Bible is telling us to learn. Patience. Wait. Instant gratification. A whole society of instant gratification. That's what we are. You know, the World Wide Web 
I mean, that's instant, right? You click on it and it's there. Well, it's not fast enough now. So engineers are, myself included, because I work in computers, we are rewiring the entire World Wide Web from the top to the bottom. Every layer of it, we're rewiring it to make it work faster. Because what it was two years ago isn't fast enough. It just doesn't cut it anymore. And then I open this book. It says, have patience. It says that patience is actually a virtue. In Revelation chapter 14, we, we find this. Here is the patience of the saints. I, I don't know what that is, maybe, but here is... You know, my, my mom, when I was a kid, and, and maybe I've had a lack of patience all my life. Perhaps that's... The, she taught me this little song. And she would sing it at the most inopportune times, as moms can do. Have patience, have patience. Don't be in such a hurry. And I'll be like, Mom! <laughs> but you know, she was right. Christina alluded to this passage in the, during the Sabbath school. The foundation of the Reformation, really. Foundational text. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. And make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Notice these next words. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live. By his faith. My friend, what is is the foundational principle of salvation? Faith. Do you suppose it's possible that the foundational principle of Christ's second coming is also faith? Though it tarries, wait for it. If Jesus came when we all expected him to come, How many of us would have to exercise faith in his coming? And yet he says, no man knows the day or the hour. He says, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according as his work shall be. Behold, I'm coming quickly. And yet there is a tarrying time. Jesus didn't end his discourse on last day events at the end of Matthew 24. You know, men who translated and and transcribed the Bible added in these chapter and verse breaks, but there's not always a a break between one chapter and the next. And I think that is the case here in Matthew 24 and 25. Because the whole line of thought continues. And Jesus continues with this parable in Matthew chapter 25. A story of ten virgins, attendants, at a wedding. And these ten virgins, five were wise and five were foolish. Now they all looked the same at the beginning. They came and they were ready. They were waiting for the bridegroom to come. But read here, and if you're still in that passage in Matthew 24 and 25, look here in verse 5 of Matthew 25. But while the bridegroom was delayed. They all slumbered 
and slept. You see, friends, we find over and over again in the Bible this idea that the bridegroom, who is Christ, is delayed. He's not canceled his trip, but he is delayed. And while he was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And all the virgins awoke. They were slumbering and they were sleeping, but they woke up and they took their lamps. But their lamps had grown dim. The oil had run out. Five had thought to bring more oil. And five had none. There was not enough to be shared among all ten. And while the five had gone out into the street to try to find at this late hour, to try to find a place where they could buy more oil, the bridegroom came and took the five wise virgins and left behind those who had failed to prepare. Though he was delayed, his coming was nonetheless sure. Friends, I find in this parable a call to my own heart. And as I said, I'm not, I'm not the world's first exhibit of patience. But I find this call to my heart. It's tempting to look back over the last century and a half or more since this message of the second advent was first preached. And it's tempting to say, my Lord delays his coming. It's tempting, my friends, to become discouraged and to begin and to say, yes, in my head, I know Jesus is coming someday, somewhere out there he's coming. But right now, I mean, I've got a house to, to pay for and I've got, bill, and I've got food I've got to worry about. And to kind of put that off in the realm of fairyland. It's tempting to become discouraged. Now, my friends, when I open the scriptures, I find everywhere in the scriptures this delay over and over again. Friends, God has not failed. He is true to his promise. But you know what else I find along with this delay? A call to be faithful. What is the oil in those lamps? Is there a preparation that you and I must be doing in order to be ready when the bridegroom comes? And it's, it's the Holy Spirit, yes, but even more than that, is he living in our hearts? Is he changing our lives? Is he teaching us patience? Is he teaching us faith? Is he teaching us faithfulness? When our Lord and Savior comes, in what condition will he find us? With oil in our lamps or with none? Friends, I want to ask you today, are you ready? Are you waiting for your master with the excitement and with the longing of a little child? Do you wake up in the morning like the little boy that I was, eager to check off one more day, one more day. If you're looking at the signs of the times, every day, every day, it's getting a little bit shorter. 
And very soon that time is going to run out. We won't be waiting forever. And soon, and very soon, you're going to see the king. Friends, let us not sleep. In the words of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 30 through 39, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall be. If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Friends, he's coming again. How long? It won't be long, friends. And when I look out in this world, the yet to be done, I say, Lord Jesus, come quickly, but send your spirit, because his work has to be finished. Jesus is coming again. And Lord, we long for that day. And our hearts cry out, O oh Lord, how long? But Lord, our prayer today is, May we not be immersed in slothful folly, but may we be ready with our longing hearts each day, preparing with joy thy face to see. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.